Welcome to Two Tonys Go to the Movies, presented by StarvingTalent.com. If you're a creative professional in need of a website or promotional services, contact Starving Talent today at www.starvingtalent.com. You should know that this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We will try our hardest not to divulge spoilers during the first segment of our show. However, after the first break, anything goes. We also make no attempt at keeping our language clean. This show is intended to be a raw, emotional, and unedited response to the state of the entertainment industry. If you don't like it, go watch Ebert and Roper. Have a question, comment, or would like to send us a mini-review for a movie we haven't mentioned? Send your messages to two tones at starvingtalent.com. Again, that's two tones, as in T-W-O-T-O-N-E-S at starvingtalent.com. We will try to answer your questions or read your reviews on the podcast. I am Tony Cox. And I am Anthony Pizzuto. And today we are discussing Pixar's new movie, Up. After a lifetime of dreaming of traveling the world, 78-year-old homebody Carl, voiced by Ed Asner, is lured into an unbelievable adventure. Thanks in part to the persistence of Russell, an 8-year-old wilderness explorer, uh, voiced by Jordan Nagai? Nagai. I bet it's Nagai. Just like George Takei, you know, because it rhymes with gay. Uh, together, the unlikely pair embarks on a thrilling odyssey full of jungle beasts and rough terrain. Other voices include the renowned Christopher Plummer as the villain and Pixar stalwart John Ratzenberger. Cliff! Hey, Cliff! <laughs> Norm! <laughs> that, was, that was good tone. Did you, did you, did you write that? Or did you, or did you pick that up from somewhere? Actually, that's from... Um, uh, Netflix. Netflix has the best Ooh. descriptions of movies ever. I like they're that. so concise and accurate, mm. and uh, they're perfect. They're the perfect length, and they're just the perfect. Um, you know, whenever I look for a description for a movie, I always go to um, I go to Netflix. So they, they use some really big words in there. Uh, it took me a second. They do, well. I had to I had to figure <laughs> out what stall stalwart was, and then I realized. You know, I just looked at the word stall, meaning like to stay, and wart, meaning, you know, something ugly. And then the first thing I thought of was John Ratzenberger. Oh, <laughs> Johnny boy. <laughs> um, uh, just some tidbits about this movie. This is Pixar's 10th feature film. Um, yay. I, I think, yeah, yay. Lots of applause. <laughs> um, I think it's its tenth. I had to count because nowhere could I find what number it was, but I believe it's the tenth feature film of Pixar. Well, this is a good anniversary picture, you know, for them to. Oh, to... it is definitely. Um, it's also Pixar's first three D movie, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on. This is there. There's a bit of a three D theme going on in this podcast, um, and also it's the first three D movie to ever be shown at Cannes. Film festival. Really? Yeah. Wow. It, they didn't it, show my bloody Valentine in 3D at Cannes? You know, I, <laughs> I don't think so. I, no. I'm sure that would have no. gone over well. No. <laughs> no? And apparently, uh, and apparently the, because, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the technology of 3D later, but um, my bloody Valentine was actually, did you see that? Did, was that with, um, wow, God, that woman, Richards, <laughs> oh, Denise Richards? I don't know. Was she I, in that? 
I don't watch horror movies, but I, I heard that it wasn't because the, the the 3D technology that's out now is is polarizing lenses, and I heard that My Bloody Valentine was actually like the old color blue and red. Oh, really? I yeah. I did not see it in 3D. Okay. Um. Yeah. Anyway, and also the the composer for Up, it turns out mm-hmm. is the same composer for Star Trek. And also huh. the guy who does the music on Lost. Really? Did, and, did, Fringe, uh, and Fringe, for that matter. Did J.J. have his hand in this one? Our boy J.J.? I, he, he did not. But, huh. um, but I mean, obviously this guy lives in J.J.'s back pocket because anytime <laughs> J.J. needs music for something, he just, like, turns around and this guy jumps out. You know, I, I know this sounds gay, but I, I would love to live in J.J.'s back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I would love to live in his other back pocket. Um, I'll see you back there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so as I said in the in the opening, um, we're gonna try to keep this um, this first segment spoiler free. Um, this is a new thing for us. <laughs> um, so that way, if you haven't seen the movie, um, uh, y- you can get some impressions and decide whether or not to go see it. Um, so, I mean, overall, uh, I just want to start by saying, um, well, I'll start with my, I'll start, okay, well, first off, I loved the movie. Mm. Did you love the movie? I, 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 I loved it from, from, from the, you know, yeah, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> he loved it Apparently so Apparently it knocked me speechless. <laughs> um, I, so I loved the movie. I mean, it's a Pixar movie. When was the last time you watched a Pixar movie and was like, eh, eh that's not such a great movie? Which, I, I don't think I've ever, ever watched a Pixar movie and been like, yeah, had that reaction. They, they've always done a fantastic job, storytelling-wise. Oh, God, their scripts are – if you want to learn how to write a script, go read mm-hmm. a Pixar script. Yeah. And just, just do what they do because – it's just it's just so perfect. Their storytelling and their script structure, uh, in regards to storytelling, is just impeccable. Um, I did have a huge disappointment about the movie, though. What was that? Uh, well, I think I mentioned it to you, but and I'm I'm I may be exaggerating it a little bit, but in retrospect, I'm actually really disappointed about it uh, because of the fact that I paid a ticket to go see a 3D movie and it was barely 3D. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was a little disappointing. I, so 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 the 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 moral of that story is is that if you if you're waiting to see it in 3D, um, or if you're if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna make if you're gonna like drive you know 20 or 30 miles to go see it in 3D, don't. Um, just go watch it at your local theater because it doesn't it doesn't. I really felt it didn't really add anything to the storytelling. Yeah. At, and in fact, um, I talked to somebody yesterday, and they said that the director actually purposefully kept the 3D to a minimum and actually didn't even, like, try to use it at all. Really? What, why is that? I, I'm not sure. I just – this was just – I was talking to somebody about the movie, told them I saw it, and they said, yeah, apparently the director wanted to stay away, stay away from the 3D stuff, and which really mm-hmm. disappoints me because I really feel like 3D has come into its own – as a medium of storytelling, and um, and I, I'm that was my biggest disappointment with the movie was that the 3D was not utilized to its to its fullest. Mm-hmm. 
There, there were many times during the movie where I actually took off my glasses and 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 just watched it um, regularly because it wasn't distorted at that you know at, at many points throughout the film. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, there were moments where I was like, I was like, wow, this is not in 3D at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, but it, it those moments were few and far between simply because the story was so good. Right. I mean, I and I, you know, I, I I read a review of Up, and they said that this could be Pixar's best movie ever. Mm-hmm. Which, and, yeah. I mean, I I almost agree. I think that I think that Monsters Incorporated is their best movie, but this is just as good, um, if not a close second. I mean, it's this movie was phenomenal. I I personally I would put it at number one. I I, th- I think uh, the the just the story the story was was the finest the finest thing I'd seen on screen in a long time. The message was there, and even though it was a kids movie um, uh, or a family movie, not necessarily a kids movie, but a family movie. Um, and typically, I'm not a big fan of family movies. I I'm, I like <laughs> You're not a big fan I of like, families. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> that's that's true. Um, I, I I I definitely love. Horror, sci-fi, action, and you know, comedy, um, but comedy in the style of like old school and and, and those kinds of movies. Um, so I don't typically go to, to go to family films, but this one, uh, from from when I first saw the the uh, the trailer of it, I was crying. It was so funny, and um, and you know, I've noticed a lot of times nowadays that the trailer is so awesome, and then you go to the movie, and it's like, yeah. what the fuck is this <laughs> this is like one of the first movies that i've actually like got excited about the trailer and then went to the movie and was completely satisfied that's tr- i i have to agree with you um i think i think for me anyway with the exception of star trek because i mean i the, the trailers oh, okay. were were you know were awesome and the movie was awesome um but this um this I completely agree, and I was actually surprised that you were super excited to see this movie. Um, I mean, you were all, you know, woohoo! And in oh, fact, yeah. I would like to say that um, uh, we're we're doing this podcast far apart again. Um, <laughs> I'm back in Maine, and 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 Tony's in still in New York, and um, we uh, but we were just I was just down there. Um, you know, doing some stuff on business and whatnot, and uh, we tried to do a podcast in <laughs> in the dining room in Tony's apartment, but we had so many technical difficulties we couldn't get it to work. We were sitting right across from each other trying to do a podcast, and we couldn't do it. The only way we could do it is when we're you know four hundred miles apart. It's so freaking weird. I think this this apartment's just it become technologically handicapped. Like my DVD players, <laughs> like fuck, my my laptop DVD oh, drive is right. screwed Every... up. You know, the phone was never working right. I mean, there's there's something about this apartment. It's like I think the... it was built above the Swan Station. <laughs> <laughs> it's too oh, much man. of a magnetic pull. <laughs> so the so the whole the whole reason I said that was because we actually saw this movie together. We we went together to see it. Um, which was which was awesome. I, th- I think this is the first movie that you and I have actually gone to see together that we both really really liked. Uh, yeah. Yep. I think actually uh, since oh super bad. Did since we go what? see super bad movies? We saw, we saw super troopers in the movies. No, we saw super bad together too. 
We did. We did. We saw it up on 42nd Street at the Ewok. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and that was, but that was a while ago. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that was yeah. the last time we saw a movie together that we both liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a little bit a little bit of a, of a better description of the movie. Um, and, the, man, I'll tell you what. The opening, the opening of this movie was amazing. I mean, mm. it was, what, like 20 minutes without dialogue? Yeah, just just underscore and uh, a story. Well, it, it opens great. it opens with it opens with young Carl um, watching the old newsreel stuff in a theater about this um, this uh, famous explorer, um, and I forget what his name is, but um, and uh, uh, Charles Muntz. Charles Muntz, uh, who's voiced by the uh, incredible Christopher Plummer. That guy, <laughs> man, you know. Von Trapp was his worst character. <laughs> yes, it He's, was. He, man, when he plays a villain, he is just, oh, he just, oh, he makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so he, um, so it's so young Carl is watching the newsreels, and he's like, he's like all excited about being an explorer, and then he meets this girl um, named Ellie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Ellie. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting these names. Um, I think it's because it's overshadowed by Doug and Russell and Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so the whole, the first twenty minutes of this film just documents the life that Carl and Ellie have together, and there's virtually zero dialogue. There's some at the very beginning when they're young kids and with the whole newsreel thing. But the rest of their entire lives is, um, is is just there's no it's all just visual, which is I, I want I want Pixar to make a movie with no dialogue whatsoever, and they came close with Wally. Um, I still have to see that. Yeah, you do have to see that. That was oh, that's such a great movie. The first I mean the first hour of that movie is just fantastic, and then when the humans show up, it all goes downhill. But. Um, <laughs> So Carl, um, so Carl and Ellie have this beautiful, wonderful life together, and they always want to go on this these adventures. But as life, you know, as as sometimes happens in life, well, mostly happens in life, mm-hmm. they just don't find the time or the energy or, um, you know, the the money to um, to go on these adventures that they that they've been planning since they were a kid, um, and then. You know, spoiler alert. Even though it happens at the beginning, um, Ellie Ellie eventually passes away and leaves Carl by himself, and he's he's by himself in this house that they built together. Well, not built, but they fixed up together. Um, and he he he's he lives he he lives in the middle of this development site that they're where they're trying to build a skyscraper, and and you know the people want him to leave, and. Um, in short, uh, you know, something happens and and Carl decides he's going to leave. But instead of going to the old people's home where they where everybody wants him to go, he attaches a bazillion balloons to his house <laughs> and floats away. Um, this, of course, after meeting the wilderness camper uh, Russell, who needs to earn his one 
his one last merit badge of helping the elderly or assi- assisting <laughs> the elderly. Yes. So he's trying to convince Carl to allow him to assist him, and he and Carl sends him off on this on this literal literal wild goose chase, um, <laughs> or a wild snipe chase, um, <laughs> to try to find this imaginary bird that doesn't that supposedly doesn't exist, and uh, and. Kevin ends up, Kevin ends up uh, looking for it under Carl's porch, and after Carl takes off with the balloons, Russell reappears on his doorstep in mid-flight, asking to come in. <laughs> which th- that part's in the trailer where <laughs> Russell knocks on the door and Carl opens it, and Russell's like grabbing onto the side of the house for dear life, and he's like, "Can I please come in?" And Carl's like, "No," and slams the door. Um, so, uh, and if you haven't seen the trailer, definitely see the trailer. I'm sure everybody's seen the trailer by now. Uh, so, and, and so what ends up happening is that they, they go on this, uh, fantastical adventure together, um, filled with talking dogs and, um, uh, chocolate loving birds and <laughs> just, you know, and then Carl, um, you know, learns learns a very tough lesson that even most adults don't learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the the story was amazing. The um, the characters were amazing. I mean, it's just a Pixar movie. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. No, they 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 definitely they they definitely raise the bar um, for 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 storytelling. Um, the 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 the. Opening montage of, of their Ellie and Carl's life was was brilliant, and and that was just a movie unto itself, um, and it, it it's um <clears throat> it's weird because you usually develop these emotions at the end of a movie, you know the the loss and the sadness and, mm. and things like mm. that, um, but it happens right at the very beginning and you get it out of your system. Um, you know, when his wife passed, when Ellie passes away and, and, you know, after they spent their entire lives together and it just shows the clips of them trying to save the money to go to, go to, you know, the, this place and, and, um, and it just never happens. And, and, and the, the, the kicker at the, at the end was he actually, Carl buys tickets for him and Ellie to go. And before he gets a chance to actually show her the tickets, you know, she, she, she leaves, she passes away and it's just like, I think, you know, I, I sniffled, but I was actually just like, you know, just like, you know, clearing my nose. I wasn't crying, yeah, but Tony looked yeah, over okay. at me. And he's like, he's like, are you crying? I'm like, no, I'm not crying. I'm a man. I don't cry. <laughs> this is a cartoon. <laughs> not real life. <laughs> no, I completely but, um, agree. I mean, the, the, there was, it was, it was like another story in the middle. Yeah. I mean, it was literally like you're watching another movie right in the middle. And it was such a heavy and dense story and it just i mean it in itself was a journey and it really sets you up i mean for them i mean that takes guts too to take the time to tell another entire story mm-hmm. and then to move on to the rest of the story just i mean that takes guts you you don't usually do that in movies exactly you know you you get through that so fast or you you spill it all in ex in exposition and for them to really take the time and to show that story so that you can get invested into the characters, um, I mean, it pays off big time as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as the audience. I mean, it really, I mean, you really connect with Carl 
in a way that it's that you really don't connect with other characters in movies. Right. You know, because exactly. you live his entire life with him. Mm-hmm. To put you in his shoes, and then you know the emotional ride of this movie is incredible, and um, it's Absolutely. it's 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 one of those great movies that just takes you on this emotional roller coaster ride, and you enjoy every single minute of it, even though there are ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And, and there wasn't a single moment in the movie where where uh, you know normally throughout a movie I want to get up and go take a smoke break or or you know go <laughs> watch another movie, but um, <laughs> but this was like one of the first few movies that I um, that that I guess I, I there wasn't a moment where I I, I wasn't enjoying myself. It definitely was a, a roller coaster. It was hysterical, um, you know, and, and people of all ages can can appreciate, can associate, and um, and just and just fall in love with the characters in the story. And there, there, the lessons in the story are lessons that people, you know, should you know should adapt, you know, into their lives. Um, and in many ways, I, I don't want. Mm-hmm. I was no, just. Gonna... Uh, uh. <laughs> I was just going to say, in many ways, it's. It's a very adult theme message. Yeah. Also. Absolutely. Oh, you know what was the coolest thing? <laughs> they actually showed I, I don't know if they've done this in Pixar movies before, but they actually showed blood. That's true. Yeah. I don't want to give times. I don't want to give away yeah. I don't want to give away yeah. we'll, we'll wait let's take a break and uh, and then we'll discuss some spoilers um, for those of you who have seen the movie. Uh, so uh, stay tuned, we'll be right back. Out. <laughs> Up here in Maine, Dorothy and I have been making and bottling our Dickens cider the same way for over 40 years. But Dorothy Dickens says it's time for a change. Not to worry, though. We're not changing the taste of a Dickens cider. We're changing the way you get your Dickens cider. <laughs> now there are three great new ways to enjoy your Dickens cider. Because great-tasting Dickens Cider is now available in jugs, cans, and boxes. Yesterday, I overheard my husband, Bill, talking to a friend of his. He said, my wife can't get enough Dickens Cider. And you know what? He's right. That's why I buy Dickens Cider in the new 64-ounce jug. In fact, if Bill were here right now, he'd tell you, my wife just loves the big Dickens Cider jug. <laughs> All natural, <laughs> wholesome, delicious Dick and Cider. Ask your grocer about the new Dick and Cider jugs, cans, <laughs> or boxes. And don't forget to try the Dick and Cider Wide Mouth. <laughs> no matter how it comes, there's no bad way to enjoy a Dick and Cider. Dick and Cider, a division of Good Swift, a wholly owned subsidiary of Tommy and Rumble. Manshank, Virginia. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, and now we're entering our spoiler alert. <coughs> so, uh, so Tony mentioned before we went to break uh, about um, about uh, the fact that there was blood. Um, that they show blood in this Pixar movie. Uh, which was... Which happens... The first time it happens. It happens twice. Uh... And the first time I was a little surprised at. Oh, and by the way, this this uh, Pixar movie was rated PG. Ooh. Um, it's the second. It's only the second Pixar movie to be rated. Excuse me, rated PG. Uh, the Incredibles was the first one. 
Really? Um, oh, I wonder. There may be. There might be blood in in the Incredibles. I just watched that the other day too, and I don't remember. There, there might, there may have been blood or bruises. There was at least bruises in the mm-hmm. Incredibles. Um, but, um, but uh, so what ends up happening is that um, one of the one of the motifs in in the movie is that uh, through Ellie and Carl's life, they have this mailbox that they that they that they you know put in the front yard and they painted it you know they painted their number and Carl accidentally puts his hand on it with paint and so his handprint is on the mailbox and then um and then um Ellie does the same thing and puts her handprint on the mailbox so every day Carl goes outside he puts his hand on her handprint which is just the sweetest thing in the world well, mm-hmm. uh, Carl is surrounded by construction, and uh, they're backing up a car. Actually, uh, yeah, they're backing up a car. It was a bulldozer or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a. It was. It was I something big. It was like a bulldozer or something. It was. Yeah, it was like a. It was like a dump truck, or it was a. I thought it was a truck with something on it, like a, maybe there was a bulldozer on it or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was something like that. Anyway, they back it up, and the guy di- directing the truck tells him to stop, but he doesn't, and he backs right in and and breaks the mailbox and of course carl you know being an old man just he just kind of loses it and he gets upset and and you know the guy offers very nicely offers to um you know help him fix it and whatnot and carl just doesn't want him to touch it and he gets so frustrated and it was a perfect moment because because um because I mean that's you know I mean not to sound here we go again I'm either racist or I'm discriminating against somebody in one of these podcasts but <laughs> you know this is how old people act sometimes is they like you know they 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 go a little nuts and you know with 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 good reason I mean I I would have gone a little nuts too if I was Carl we're still getting phone calls on that one. <laughs> this is this is so bad. We're gonna get email when we're gonna open up the mailbag and it's just gonna be nothing but. But you know, some old black Jewish woman just hates me. Um, I'm old and I don't get crazy mad. <laughs> you make my sugar beeties flare up. <laughs> that's the one funniest thing. Um, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard from Saturday Night Live in the last ten years. Um, anyway, so so Carl's upset about this mailbox, and he hits the guy in the head with his walker and it, he gives him a cut. And I was taken back by that. I mean, I don't know how you felt. I mean, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a surprise, but, but the, I think the more shock was the fact that they, they actually showed the blood, uh, you know, from the, the gash on his head, which was, I, I, I was like, wow, there we go. Now, now we're getting somewhere. It was such a it was such a real moment too. Like I Absolutely. felt I mean it was such a visceral raw like I felt like I was really there and it's a cartoon for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's computer animation and I I felt I mean they the the way the guy like the guy just kind of laid down and he's like, "Oh, you know, and he's holding his head and he's just, you know, he's injured and Carl just the look on Carl's face when he realizes what he's done. I mean, it was just such a real moment. And it was, I think, because it was downplayed so much, there wasn't like you know, it just it just felt like what would really happen in a situation like that. Exactly. exactly. Um, and so Carl has to go to 
go to court and stuff, and they basically commit him to an assisted living home, and he just doesn't want to go. So he decides he's going to go on that big adventure, and and man, does does he? And um, you know, Russell joins him, and um, they they go to this pretty much kind of a land of the lost type place where you know where the where his idol Charles Muntz went. And um, they meet Kevin, who's a girl. Kevin, yeah. <laughs> Kevin the girl. Who, who was actually – was Kevin actually a snipe? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, they, so, so Russell actually found the snipe that, that Carl sent him on that mission to find. Yes. So he hmm. found it using chocolate, by the way. Yep. Um, and then they meet a talking dog named Doug. <laughs> that was – he. That was – that was the selling point in the trailer. This Doug. <laughs> Doug was the selling. Hi, I'm Doug. My master made me this collar so I could talk. I really like squirrel. <laughs> I. You know what's funny is is after this weekend, I had no less than six friends on Facebook. Their status was just squirrel exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was hysterical. And did you know that Bob Peterson? Um, who was the the uh, the co-director and the the writer of the screenplay was actually the voice of um, Doug. Oh, really? Yeah, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, I thought I I thought that was pretty funny. It's fu- it's interesting that Pixar does that because um, the uh, I forget his name, but the kid in Ratatouille. Did you see Ratatouille? I that's the one where they cook the mice cook. Yes. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the mouse. Cook. The rats yes. cook. The rat. The whatever. Um. The kid, the guy who plays the kid, is actually some guy who works in the office at Pixar. Oh, really? Yeah, it's interesting when they they just get regular people to do. I don't know if they're regular people, but um, when they get to do, you know, the voices of stuff. Did didn't did Bob do another voice too? Uh, yeah, he's done he's done quite a few actually. He did um he was um he was um. He did voices in Cars and in The Incredibles. Um, he was Mr. Ray in Finding Nemo. Uh, you know, uh, he was Roz in Monsters Inc. Ah, really? Uh, yeah. Wasn't Roz was the the old the woman? woman like the, the old, yeah, Mike. Yeah, the, the, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> the one who smokes six packs a day. Yep, you need to fill out these forms in triplicate, Mike. <laughs> that 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 was Bob Peterson. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. We should. Let's just start making Pixar movies. <laughs> we should do just really <laughs> crappy, like, flat animation. <laughs> just, like, cut hey, out if, some if things. if Trey Parker and Mark Matt still, <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> I don't know. Those guys are freaking smart. Um, they are. They are. So the, I, think, I think the thing in this movie that really – that I really enjoyed was that um, – Carl meets his his childhood hero, and he turns out to be an asshole. <laughs> oh God! I because I love these themes of, you know, your dreams coming true, and they're completely not what you expected. Mm-hmm. Because that is such that is such real life. <laughs> oh sure. Oh absolutely. Um, and um, someday we'll do a. A Battlestar Galactica podcast too, because that's a huge theme in Galactica as well, is getting what you want and finding out that it's 
nothing like what you really wanted. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, just and, a just a quick little backstory on how how he meets him at the very beginning uh, when the, when he's little and he's watching the newsreels. Months Months comes back from this place called Paradise Falls and right. brings back a skeleton of the snipe, and he gets inducted into these you know national halls of fame for exploring and the Smithsonian and all that crap. Which the, and, the snipe um, is a bird. If we hadn't mentioned that before, yes, it's, uh, a, it's a very it's a tall bird with tiny wings, tiny wings, and um. And so then all these other scientists decided, um, did all these tests and, and announced that the bird is actually a fake. So Muntz gets his membership revoked from these big national you know, geographic society groups and things like that. And he's pissed off about all this. So he decides to load up his, his Zeppelin and fly back to Paradise <laughs> Falls to find a living snipe. And so that was 50 you know, plus years ago. So then when... Um, so now catching up when Carl and Russell land in Paradise Falls, um, they stumble upon Munch, who still has yet to find the snipe. Well, he didn't use chocolate. Well, exactly. <laughs> he used he used pate. <laughs> <laughs> pate and talking dogs. Yeah, right. I want um, a talking dog. And so the ultimate battle is um, Carl. Carl just wants to put his house on the cliff where he and Ellie always wanted their house to be when they were kids. And, um, and Carl, uh, Charles Muntz goes after the snipe and Russell is trying to protect the snipe. Uh, cause the snipe gets injured rescuing, um, Carl and Russell. And that's the second time we see blood is when they put the bandage yes. on the snipe. Uh, and it, blood comes through, which was just, I mean, just a little surprising for Pixar, but so um, so sobering in the story. I mean, it was very, I mean, it was hysterical. It was a laugh-out-loud movie, but at the same time, I mean, it was just so emotional and so, you know, mm -hmm. um, just so sobering at moments, which I thought was amazing for a Pixar movie. It was great. Um, and so the final battle becomes... Um, basically Carl against his hero, Charles, in trying to, you know, battle over the snipe. And Carl wants to rescue the snipe, and Charles is trying to capture it. And um, when it culminates into the Battle of Old Men, where Charles <laughs> has a giant broadsword and Carl has his walker, and they it's the, <laughs> the fight scene is hysterical because they're old men, and their backs keep getting thrown out. And, I mean, it was just, it was such a funny scene. It was a little refreshing, actually, to see the super, you know, the heroes, you know, the hero and the villain be these, you know, septuagenarians. Um, which, you know, there's actually, there's a little thing that kind of bothers me, though. When when Russell, I mean, when when Carl was little, watching Munts on the newsreel, Munts should have must have been in his late twenties, early thirties in those reels. So now that so now that you know, and Russell was what maybe ten. So now, uh, I mean, uh, Carl is was ten. So now Carl's in his sixties, say. So that would put Munts in his nineties, at well, the, at the earliest. I was I was just and thinking. he looked like he was in his forties. 
I would what he did not look yes, like he, he was in his forties. He, he, he had his little not. pencil thin mustache, and he didn't have a wrinkle on his face. He, he the guy looked like he was dead. <laughs> he didn't look. If that's he a, was skinny. Are you, he was skinny. <laughs> he wasn't dead. <laughs> he, I, I, I was, I was just thinking about that, and I thought, I would, I would guesstimate that when, when Carl. So let's say Carl was ten when he was watching the newsreels. Yeah. I was just thinking about this just a few minutes ago too. I would guesstimate that, you know, let's put let's put Charles no more than twenty five, because he could be young and still be an explorer. He could, he could, yeah. Let's say let's put him at twenty five. So that means that there's a fifteen year difference. All let's right. say Carl just retired, so he's like what sixty three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That puts that puts Charles at seventy eight. He still looked pretty damn good. Well, <laughs> I mean, think about it. He's been living in. He eats well. Epsilon Epsilon makes a great makes great <laughs> meals. Um, is, which is another maybe there's a little. Dog. <laughs> They're all talking dogs all talking in Paradise dogs. Falls. Oh gosh. Um, well, maybe maybe there's a fountain of youth or something that's keeping him. It's maybe well, he's just taking his geritol. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I. I I mean, because I know I know guys who are in their nineties who are still lifting boxes and packing trucks and stuff, and I could see he, you know, he, he's the type of guy that would just stay active and stay, you know, um, mm-hmm. stay fit and just I I I believed it. I believed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I believed it. I, I could see where where other people might not believe it, but uh, I mean, I, I certainly believed it. I I yeah. <laughs> you didn't believe it, did you? No clue. No, no, I, no. I don't. I don't believe it at all. I, it was just. It was just weird. I think if they, if they had, if they made him just a hair older looking, they made him a little too younger looking. That, that, that's my only gripe. That's my only gripe with the movie. Was that? Was that he was he was he was too young looking for for a world traveled explorer? But again, you know, it it you know they're in they're in Paradise Falls. You know, maybe time stands still there. I mean, if J.J. Abrams has the composer in his pocket, maybe he has the animator in his pocket, too. I'm just, I'm just shocked that you think that's what 40-year-olds look like. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm... Because <laughs> that's scary. I don't want to look like that when I'm... Well, I'd like to lose that much weight by the time I'm 40, but I, uh, I'd, that's not what 40-year-olds look I'd like. Dye my, I'd dye my mustache. <laughs> if I had a mustache, he's just upset because he didn't use, because he didn't use uh, what is that stuff? Hair? What is that? Uh, oh, jeez, I forgot. What's that stuff? The 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 dye for just for men? Just for men? Oh, just for men? Just, just for, for men. men? Yeah, yeah. He because he didn't use just for men. Absolutely. It, <sighs> all right, it's the cure all. Speaking of mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, never mind. I don't want to go off topic. <laughs> I was trying to grow one. I was trying to grow one last week, <laughs> but but I shaved it while I was there. Down. No, because yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> I'm still going through puberty, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I shaved it off before you got here, but it was like a three day three day growth, and I looked like a rat. It was really weird. <laughs> Like having the mustache like narrowed my face down to like this sharp like you could you could cut things with my face. It was amazing. <laughs> it also looked like a seventies porn star, which which I'm oh, okay with. That. That'd be perfect. Think of all the parts you'd get. 
Ooh, <laughs> Craigslist, here I come. You'd play, you'd, you'd get all those parts as pedophiles in movies. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Hey. All right, hey, well, um, uh, I think we've surpassed the topic of Up, so. Um, go see it. Go see it, definitely. Um, it's worth it's worth the movie ticket to in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings us to our rapid fire review section. Boom, boom, boom. So in this segment, um, we're just going to name a movie, and each one of us is going to say if we liked it, and just one sentence is why we liked it, or if we didn't like it, and one sentence as to why. Um, Slumdog Millionaire. Loved it. Uh, Why? Just because. (laughs) (laughs) It 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 was an interesting story. It was like two movies in one. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it, and I've way surpassed my, my sentence at this point. Um, uh, we'll just do a, let's do a podcast on it, but I really liked it. What about you? I did not like it. I'm probably Uh one of the few people in the world that did not enjoy this movie. Um, I'll tell you why in three, three, a list of three things. Number one, subtitles. I do not like subtitles. They were poor subtitles. Number two, um, there, I, I thought there was a huge plot hole regarding a character, and that's worse than a plot hole with facts. I just felt like there was one character that did something completely out of character, and the entire plot hinged on it. And number mm. three, the dance sequence at the end was just the <laughs> the cherry on top of a shit Sunday, and uh, <laughs> and that's how I feel about that. Um, well, we're gonna have to talk about this sometime. We'll 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 do a podcast. Uh, fanboys, which we will also be doing a podcast for, but I thought we could just um, actually I think the next podcast will be pan- fanboys if we can get the equipment working. Yeah, um, right. Uh, so just a quick, uh, but I just want to do a quick rapid review. Um, I I loved it. Um, uh, it was great. Uh, I f- loved it because it was a heartwarming funny road trip type of movie and uh, I was disappointed because it did not get it opened on 44 screens which is just fucking ridiculous as far as I'm concerned considering the other crappy movies that get released in more theaters yeah um I I I agree it was it was an amazing movie it's a it's a it's a it's Star Wars fans um and uh, if you are a Star Wars fan, or if you're a fan of sci-fi or conventions, or or just a geek or nerd in general, um, like we are, go to go go rent this movie, go buy this movie. Um, it's it's really great. It has a fantastic cast. Um, support no the filmmakers. Point. Yeah, support the filmmakers. Uh, Seth Rogen's in it. If that means anything to any of you people, so uh, great cast. So go check great it out. cast. Yeah, the casting was fantastic. Um, and finally, the, our last rapid fire review is a uh, Cap- Caprica pilot episode, which was released on DVD, and the show will start uh, January 2010. We'll probably also be doing an upcoming podcast on this, but let's just get our uh, thoughts go. It was uh, it was it was great. I'm a Bar- Battlestar Galactica fan, um, and this is this happens what 50 years before the events in Battlestar Galactica, yes. the new series. Yes. Um, the it's 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 I, I love prequels because you get a you know you get a sense of history um, <laughs> when well, they're well, done I right like, when, when they're done right I love some prequels I'm not going to mention any names <laughs> but there were three of them and they all suck um, 
Um, but Caprica, the pilot episode of Caprica was great. If you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, go check it out. Um, and then um, if wait, you're not a fan, dated. check it out because this is a completely yeah. different show too. It is um, it's completely different. I, I liked it. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you... uh, the, the it in the first 20 minutes it had it had two of my favorite things, boobies and Christian terrorists. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Uh, so we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we'll wrap up with our new mailbag segment. What do you think you're doing? What? Shoot! Shoot! Go on, beat it! Get out of here! Go on, shoot! I am not your master! Beat it! Go annoy someone else for a while! And we are back. We are wrapping up our podcast on Up. And we're going to hit the mailbag. We have a comment from Steve. And Steve says, "Um, I have not seen any of the new 3D movies. Uh, When I was a kid, I saw several. Um, While I thought they were cute then, I see this as just another passing fancy. Um, I completely disagree. I, you know, you know, the old days when 3D movies were done with the red blue glasses it's just that was ridiculous and it's still ridiculous um the new system is um is fantastic the polarizing lenses and and so forth um is uh i mean i think 3d movies are here to stay i think that they're a new way of telling stories um and when some of the new live action 3d movies come out um i think that um I think that they're going to be big. I think they're going to be huge. And I think people mm-hmm. are really going to enjoy them. Um, uh, I mean, what do you think now that you've seen a couple? You know, I think I think they are as well. And actually, um, I, I was watching uh, New York One uh, a couple months ago, and, and one of their reporters was at the, the big uh, technology conference in Las Vegas, um, you know, where the electronics, the big electronics giants are showcasing their new products and whatnot. And a lot of televisions and, and you know television manufacturers are now creating technology for 3D um, in-home viewing uh, on television. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised that in the next five years we'll start seeing 3D televisions start popping up in, in living rooms. Oh, I have no doubt. Um, all right. Do we have another question? Uh, we yes. have a question? Do we have a question from Sarah. Um, when I watch... Movies sometimes I notice that things are different from camera angle to camera angle in the same scene. I've heard these called continuity errors. Why do they happen so often? And isn't there someone who is supposed to make sure they don't happen? Um, well, Sarah, yes. Uh, there's uh, a role on set called the script supervisor who, um, who when I know when I'm on set, I make their life a living hell. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> because uh, my lines change take to take. Um, As do well, and to be honest, I mean, most actors do. I mean, even the best oh, yeah. actors that there are, sometimes they're just so emotionally involved in the scene that they just say the line wrong. Oh, mine's just Alzheimer's disease. My, my, <laughs> mine's mine's just complete <laughs> mad cow forgetfulness. Um, but but no, I mean the the, the script supervisor is um, kind of like the stage manager in a in a theatrical production. They take, I you know I saw a script a script supervisor's script one time, and it was just completely scribbled with notes. 
what they what you were wearing, how your arm was being held up, you know, and things like that. Um, so, I mean, it is their primary responsibility to make sure that the actors and the camera and everything is is where it's supposed to be. Um, there are some instances where the director will be like, um, and Tony, you were telling me this about Steven Spielberg. That's right. How, yeah. Yeah. He just tells the script supervisor, forget about it. You know, as yeah. long as the actors are in the moment, he wants the best performance possible from the actors. So it doesn't matter what's going on. Um, and the script yeah. supervisors make those notes specifically for the editors when they edit the movie mm-hmm. so that they know, you know, so that they can try to keep it as, you know, try to keep the continuity as, as accurate as possible. Absolutely. And sometimes things fall, do fall through the cracks. I mean, there's so much going on, uh, on a film set that maybe a note didn't get taken, you know, by accident or, or maybe the director just wanted to take, you know, some artistic liberties and, and wasn't concerned with continuity, but more with, with the, you know, performance, because maybe out of four or five takes, um, you know, there was one that really worked and one that didn't, but the one that worked didn't match up properly with the master shot or, or, or another um, angle. So, you know, those, you know, it's all up to the discretion of the director, really, at the end of the day. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, we, you, 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 as you're watching movies, you play the game. Oh, oh, that, you know, his tie was, you know, tied, um, but now it's not, you know, kind of game. But it happens, you know, and there's no real thing that you can really do about it on set. And the thing is, is like, and I'm sure this is how this is Steven Spielberg's attitude is that if you're so involved in the characters and the story and the movie and in the moment, you shouldn't be noticing that stuff anyway. Right. And if so, I mean, if 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 the actors and and the director isn't doing their job, that's when you notice it even more. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's a tough. I mean, that's a tough job too. And um. And I mean, it's very hectic and frantic and and you know somewhat time-consuming as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, and one last question. Um, this kind of caps our 3D theme. Uh, ben writes in and asks, how are 3D movies made? That is an excellent question, Ben. Um, in the computer animation world, um, they're made very easy. Basically, you just take two images, and this is very similar to how it was done back in the red-blue days. You just take two images, um, two of the same image or similar images, and you just move them apart. And then you create, uh, now with the new system, you have um, glasses that polarize uh, images. And what that means is that your, your right eye needs to see the right eye images and your left eye needs to see the left eye images and then when you're when your eyes see different images displaced that creates the 3d and the glasses um, will actually polarize the images so the projector is shooting 144 frames a second which is ridiculous because film is 24 frames a second. <laughs> um, now, 72 of those images are for your right eye, and 72 of those images are for your left eye. And the glasses will polarize them so that your right eye only sees the right eye images and your left eye only sees the left eye images. It filters out the other images. And then that creates the 3D image that you see. 
Now, for live action movies, which um, which we haven't really had any come out yet, but we will. Um, and in fact, we just saw a trailer for one when we went to see Up, and it looks. Um, mm. I mean, I, I plan to go see it just to see what 3D live action looks like. Right. Um, and that was uh, G Force. It's about mm. a team of genetically engineered gerbils <laughs> and will arnett Complete. is in it and he plays like a government agent or something anyway um, um <laughs> you know that it sounds hysterical um when you when you say it out loud it does it does it really does g-force um and uh now in in live action movies you actually have to have two cameras that that record slightly different images and then those are then laid on top of each other and and separated and then polarized and so forth um and you in post-production you have control as to how far the images are pulled apart um and it looked i mean it looked pretty good the through the live action 3d i was i was surprised at how good it did look because i was anticipating it Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how that's how 3D movies are made. Um, if you have uh, if you have any other questions or comments, um, you know, email us. Uh, again, the email address is two tones at starvingtalent.com. That's t w o t o n e s at starvingtalent.com. <coughs> oh my god! <coughs> <coughs> I just swallowed a punctuation mark. you you okay you want me to burp you digitally burp you i'm good thanks um all right so that about does it for our up podcast um any final thoughts mr pizzuto uh just go check out the movies uh that we've talked about today um up Slumdog, Fanboys, Caprica, um, up still in the movies. Uh, it opened this this past weekend, and uh, yeah, just go check it out. It's it's a great story. Uh, it's a great ride. But like Tony said earlier, don't don't waste your money on 3D unless you really want to. Uh, so yeah, that, those are my final thoughts. Uh, definitely. Ch- I mean, if you have the opportunity to check it out in digital cinema, um, mm. go for it. Um, it's a crisper image. It's a nicer image. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't spend the extra money for 3d because it's just, you know, you don't need it first of all, because the story in the movie is just as good without it. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't really add to the storytelling, um, at all. So, right. um, enjoy the movie. If you go see it, um, write us in and let us know what you thought. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've, if there are any other movies that we haven't talked about or that we haven't done, um, <clears throat> a full podcast on, please write in. And uh, let us know your thoughts on those movies and if you liked it or not and what you didn't like, what you did like. Um, and even the movies that we've already talked about, Wolverine, uh, Terminator, um, Star Trek, you know, just write in and let us know, good or bad. Uh, we love to hear differing viewpoints. Um, and so would our listeners. Um, so on that note, um, next time we'll be reviewing Fanboys, which is out on DVD. Um, we'll do an in-depth podcast with that. Until then... Go to movies.